Welcome. This is Talking Cannabis with Clarissa, a fun podcast show that talks about cannabis news, education, safety, and the cannabis. My name is Clarissa Strohmeyer, an international speaker, consultant, and founder of Ganjali.com, a cannabis news site. If you are interested in building a cannabis brand, cannabis investing, cannabis products, trends, and cannabis secrets, then this podcast is for you. everyone this is Clarissa from Talking Cannabis with Clarissa and today I have a very special guest Sebastian Marinkola also known as Dr. Sebastian Schultz. So Sebastian studied philosophy and linguistics of German at the University of Tübingen Germany and at the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill USA. He was a student of William Lycan, Simon Blackburn, Gianfranco Soldati and Manfred Frank, some of the most influential philosophers of consciousness today. And he received his magna cum laude PhD with a thesis about a critical analysis of neuro-philosophical theories of consciousness. After more than 20 years of research on the subject, Marinkolo has already published four books on the cannabis high. And Marinko's expert blog with essays on the cannabis high appeared online in five languages for Sensi Seeds Amsterdam, the largest cannabis seed bank in the world. He also has an online course, which is how to use cannabis to enhance your mind, creativity, and learn new things about yourself. It was produced by L in Los Angeles in a streaming portal um, for Greenflower Media in 2016. As a photographer, he produced the limited edition macro photo art series, The Art of Cannabis, featured in his second book, and he worked on a photo campaign for Sensi Seeds, among others. His work has received positive reviews and attention worldwide. In 2017, he took on the position of Directors of Communication and Marketing Germany for one of the largest cannabis producers in the world for three years. Welcome to the show. Hi, Sebastian. Hi, Clarissa. Thanks for having me. I I love your your background. So I wonder, from philosophy to cannabis, how did that happen? Yeah, that's uh, people always ask philosophers, what what do you want to do later? Um, well, I want to sell drugs, of course. <laughs> <laughs> um. <laughs> No, that's not the right answer, of course. Um, I, my interest in philosophy was always the philosophy of mind and um, questions about uh, consciousness. Um, can computers develop consciousness? Uh, what kinds of animals do have consciousness? How does and under what conditions uh, does consciousness come to life? And um, <clears throat> so these were the early questions I had already when I was in my Teen, uh, as a teenager, and then I, I found that um, there is a discipline, an academic discipline, where they look at those questions, uh, which is philosophy, and then I, I began to study philosophy, <clears throat> and um, in my early, um, was 20, when I was 22, 24, around that time, I started having my first experiences with cannabis, uh, smoking uh, cannabis, um, 
and uh, and I thought it's it's a it's a really interesting thing um, to observe what happens to your consciousness in that altered state of mind uh, when you're high. Um, but it it took me a while because I first had a really negative experience with um, well, we, we may talk about that later with a hash pralin. <laughs> And uh, it's in my book. And, and then I stayed away from it. And um, in the late 90s, I went to North Carolina to uh, work on my dissertation thesis. And uh, I experimented again with cannabis and um, met a toxicologist. And I guess the lowest common denominator between a toxicologist uh, intellectually and a philosopher uh, working in the field of the philosophy of mind uh, is uh, is a, a psychoactive are the psychoactive effects of a substance like cannabis, and so we started to discuss those effects on higher cognitive abilities like um, um, empathic understanding, introspection, um, insights, etc. And um, and I I thought this is a really interesting subject um, to pursue. I called it once the Alice in Wonderland route to understanding consciousness. Um, uh, and I was not interested in the cannabis high per se um, as an altered state of consciousness, but I was interested in uh, using this and using the research on the cannabis high to understand consciousness itself better. So I think my research is always going or has always been going in two directions, which is a, a deeper understanding of the cannabis high, and uh, with it, a deeper understanding of our human nature and the nature of human consciousness. Wow. That's a better answer than the drug dealer thing, <laughs> right? Sometimes long answers are worth <laughs> So I want to say that you're a philosophical drug dealer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess so. So in your book, The Art of the High, Your Guide to Using Cannabis for an Outstanding Life, I read it. It's amazing. It's a very easy read, by the way. It, it's, it's, so, it's so easy. It's minimalism. It's minimalist. And you can easily grasp, you can easily grasp um, the concept. And one in your book, you talk about the history and can you tell us about the history of a little bit about the cannabis seed and and what is it today? Yeah, uh, thanks for the compliment. I this book is basically a wrap up of my research, and uh, I tried to really compress it in a book that is easy to read, um, but not only for beginners, but also for real cannabis cannabis source, um, Sorry, canosaurs. Um, wow, I came up with a new word. Um, <laughs> aficionados, people who really love cannabis and love it for its for the high. And um, so um, I um, I read some years ago. A friend of mine gave me a book um, called "How to Sit" by the um, Buddhist uh, monk Thich Nhat Hanh, um, one of the great uh, Buddhist teachers. And it's, a, it's this, my book is modeled on the concept of this book, which gives you a really short, very minimalist, an, an, a minimalist introduction into Buddhist life. 
and uh, meditation and breathing techniques. Um, and it has some personal stories in it uh, of Thich Nhat Han, how he observed the monk sitting on a platform when he was younger and uh, for sitting still for minutes and you know gazing into the landscape and then he said to himself I, I want to be I want to be able to do that when I'm older and so there are really little stories in it that uh, um, illustrate the, the technical and philosophical points he's making and um, <clears throat> so I, I took that uh, as an inspiration for my book um, uh, the art of the high which is more detailed and it has more information it's it's a lot more has more substance to it um, because i i felt like i need to introduce more of uh more knowledge for people to then have a um a better approach to using the high for inspirational purposes and enhancement purposes but but it's still very minimal and um easy to read i think and uh um, that's great to hear you confirm that um, as to um, cannabis, I, I, I made a point of explaining the long evolution or just giving a, a short introduction first, um, talking about also the endocannabinoid system that goes way back like more than 600 million years ago. And then the story of, I mean, the plant cannabis comes only like some, some 30 million years ago in, in evolution. And um, <clears throat> because I always found it um, important that people go away from stereotypes and really look at cannabis as a plant again and, and take a look at, at the plant as it co-evolved with humans. And um, I think there's a lot to learn from that um, uh, generally and a lot to learn from the knowledge of the endocannabinoid system in humans and in, in all other animals except for um, in insects. Um, <clears throat> and um, as to the recent evolution, I, it was important to me to, uh, for instance, um, for an understanding also of the problems that people can have with cannabis. Because if you look at the last decades uh, of prohibition um, from like in the last century um, uh, and reinforced uh, by Nixon in the 70s, where people uh, and growers had to go indoors and started to, and when it didn't work anymore in California, when it was uh, getting too risky, they would go to Amsterdam and to Holland with the new regulations. And then they would have to grow indoors and breed cannabis for uh, indoor uh, for indoor growing, uh, you can see that um, the the uh, the direction uh, it took was uh, was a problematic one because it became increasingly more important to uh, come up with cannabis varieties that are um, uh, growing not that not that tall. And that that have certain properties that make it make them perfect for indoor growing. And I always give the analogy um, to uh, to wine. Um, for um, uh, imagine, I tell you, here is a great wine from France. Bordeaux wine comes from whatever uh, Chateau something. And then I 
I offer you another one that has been, where the grapes have been grown indoors and they have been bred to, uh, to work for indoor growth and not for, nobody really cared for if they generate a great taste or so. It was more important that they don't grow too high, that they grow well in artificial lives, et cetera, et cetera. And, um, and then I, you have a choice. Wh which one is it going to be? You're going to be like, yeah, of course, I want the indoor stuff. <laughs> um, uh, of course not. I mean, um, the problem, I think, with the whole prohibition was, it's not like there, I mean, there were some great varieties that came out of that, uh, and there was a great diversification in the last 20 years also, or 30 years. Um, but the problem is that most people only got to, because of the prohibition, they didn't um, get a lot of information about where the cannabis came from, where, where, how was it grown. Um, often it was overgrown, so people who grew their cannabis or the, the growers would uh, let it um, flower for too long because it generated more weight, but then you also get more CBN than the um, cannabis users would um, would not know about how to treat their cannabis well, would leave it out um, um, in the air and the heat and the sunlight, et cetera. And, and then what you, the, the tendency is that you get uh, cannabis that is degraded and is more, as I say, fragmenting your mind. So you're losing the thread during a conversation. And many people like that effect because it, it's uh, great to de-stress. It still makes you happy. It still makes you euphoric. But after a hard, tough day, you kind of want your people have learned that it's good for de-stressing, for the couch lock high. And they don't want to start clearly thinking about things. They want to uh, get, a, get smacked on the face with something that, that actually... Um, shuts their mind down. And so I think that was a dynamic um, that developed over the past decades. And it's now slowly going away, but especially in places where we have a legalization and we have better access to cannabis and we have organic growers, et cetera, et cetera, and a new culture is coming up. But, uh, and, and of course, in the medical realm, it's different. But, but that was the tendency that um, <clears throat> people would only look at cannabis uh, as something that could make them dazed and confused, happily dazed and confused. I mean, that, that's the thing. And so it's in that situation, of course, it's especially difficult for somebody to come out and say, hey, um, wait a second, cannabis um, can do a lot of good things for you. Um, the cannabis high can enhance your mind in various ways and bring a whole bouquet of cognitive effects that might be um, beneficial for you. And so it was important for me to look at the recent history of prohibition and also on the long history of the endocannabinoid system because uh, the endocannabinoid system explains to some degree some of the benefits of cannabis uh, and because in the absence of studies, I mean, there are a lot of studies, but many of the studies that have been done in the field are, are bad, are bad science, science that has been done to, um, for a certain purpose um, to um, sustain, to uphold the prohibition. 
And, uh, and so our knowledge of the endocannabinoid system is very important, I think, also to understand how cannabis can actually interact with our balancing system, a system that is there probably the, one of the most important um, or the most important system we have in our body and mind to uh, keep a stable balance. That's right. That's that that's very true. And what I learned from your book on the history of cannabis is that the cannabis companies are genetically altering the cannabis. So a blue dream that you you plant on your backyard is different from a blue dream from a cannabis company. And and I was like, wow, okay, you know. Well, it's not uh, genetically altering as in genetic engineering, um, but it's, um, of course, if you look at the genetics, um, even, I mean, even in the medical realm, and I worked, uh, as I said, uh, I had really um, deep in insight into the processes, the SOPs, the standard uh, operation procedures, in the pharmaceutical realm of uh, cannabis production in Europe and in Canada. And um, <clears throat> you can see that um, sometimes they exchange base strains. So they would um, sell other or base variety. So they would um, sell a variety under a certain name in Canada. And then it came on the market, on the medical market, strictly regulated medical market in Germany. But then they had problems um, in Canada, some companies, it was not my company as far as I remember, um, but they had problems to, to um, get that variety to come, uh, come out with the second, third harvest or so to come out with the same specifics in THC content, because it also, it, even under strict, strictly um, controlled conditions indoors, it, sometimes, you know, you grow a certain variety and it produces 14% THC and 1% CBD. And the next time you harvest, it comes out with 17 or 18%. But now you already have that variety in Germany um, is with those specifics and it shouldn't come out, you know, that different. So some companies just stuck in a different variety under that name. So that was a problem for many patients because they didn't know. But we all know that the entourage effect plays a big role. So the terpene profile and the other minor cannabinoid profile plays a role. So suddenly these people had an, a variety that they were told is um, under a certain name. They, they, they got it um, on prescription. They bought it at the pharmacy. They found out, wow, this, this helps me for my chronic pain and maybe I can go to sleep with it well. And the next time they go to the pharmacy, buy something under the same name. And uh, of course they feel like, hey, this is a strictly regulated market. You know, uh, it's, it's even a narcotic. So it's very tightly controlled in Germany. And, and but still they, uh, what they got was a different variety of cannabis, which had probably similar THC content, but a completely different content in terpenes, et cetera. And they would be like, whoops, that doesn't help me with my ADHD anymore. So that's what I meant that my general point about this is <clears throat> that 
even on a strictly regulated market, as a consumer, you cannot be sure that you get what a producer says you would get. Uh, sometimes, you know, they, they can't control the phenotypes well. It's come out under different conditions. You have effects like genetic drift, where after a certain gen many generations of cloning, the cannabis comes out differently, a, a variety genetically changes <clears throat> under the stress, et cetera, et cetera. And um, so also on the recreational market and on the illegal market, very often people uh, say, hey, this is, I mean, I've seen it in Holland, for instance, in Amsterdam, you go in a coffee shop and I, I, I said, I want Jack Herrera or something. And, and the guy took out uh, a box, gave me some cannabis and I stepped to the side and I could watch him, uh, I could watch his hands. My friend came and said, I'd like to have silver haze. And the guy was like, okay, took out the same box, <laughs> gave him sil silver haze, you know? And uh, so uh, it's still difficult um, to, um, to get the product, to, to get consistent products. And um, there, there is a whole variety. There are great varieties out there, but um, I think we're going from an age where during prohibition times, people didn't get information and they bought it on the black market and nobody had a clue where it was produced, how, you know, if there were, what kind of contaminants were in it or um, pesticides uh, or mold, et cetera. And now, uh, so they ha had no information about the product. The product was very often produced under horrible conditions. You didn't know about the genetics. And now we're going directly in an age where we have um, exaggerated marketing claims about you getting uh, Mr. X-Men cannabis that is great for creativity because it's a 70% sativa, which is also uh, kind of bullshit uh, because the sativa indica um, debate uh, is at a point where we see that um, hybridization has come to a point where really you don't know anymore I know I've seen studies where people took samples from the market on from what is supposed to be a 30% Inca or 70% Indica or Sativa, et cetera. And, and they said, it's not, uh, you really can't tell anymore. Um, morphologically speaking, not. I mean, these plants don't look like Indicas or Sativas uh, used to look like with the jagged leaves or more round leaves or something. And they don't, you can't tell from the plant morphology and you can't tell from very often from what people tell you that it is, that it's a 90% sativa and sometimes it, it really has not those um, effects that are, that you would usually connect with sativas. Wow, I agree with you. So let's help out the, the beginners. Yeah. So we'll talk about your negative experience with the hash browns. I, on the other hand, I have friends and, and sometimes it was me in the beginning where you, you take too much and it's bad, it's really bad. One of my oh, friends yeah. in Seattle, uh, you know, took weed and was calling the mom and saying, I want to die, take me to the hospital, I want to kill myself. And 
I have another one who took too much brownies because she couldn't wait. You know, she was asked to wait two hours, like, I cannot wait two hours. It's not, there's no effect. Let me take another bite, you know? And so she said that her heart was palpitating. Right. And she felt like she was going to die because it was like beating so fast. And yeah. so for the beginners uh, out there who's watching this, let's help them. How can they, let's guide them. Coming from you, how can they have an outstanding experience with cannabis? Yeah, the method of consumption is, and, and dosing is very important um, for beginners, but also the set and setting. So um, as a beginner, it's important that you, you read my book first. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's shameless true. advertising. No, but <laughs> but seriously, um, it's important that you. Um, I mean, I also wrote it for those beginners, but it's really important that you that you know some things, that you know some things about dosing. In in the medical world, um, there is a slogan called um, "Start low and go slow." So start with a very low dose and go slow. Um, I would add to that that make sure that you are in a comfortable environment and that you are in an environment where you feel safe and protected, where you have people around that are, or no, maybe nobody, but better you have friends or people around who are okay with your use, who may know something about it, who may know how to direct your high if, if you feel like uncomfortable and they could turn on music. It's the concept of a trip sitter. Uh, that could be applied here too. Um, even if cannabis is not as strong as a psychedelic usually, I mean, we now have um, the varieties that have like 25, almost 30% THC. So two draws uh, could actually get you to a point where you start panicking. Um, one of the things that you don't learn, for instance, in the medical realm, because you have to look more uh, in the... Um, subculture realm and, and to, to look at really a lot of experiences from users is something that I discussed with my friend Lester Greenspoon a lot um, is that um, you uh, there there is an onset effect there is an effect that many people or a phenomenon that many people who smoke for the first time second time third time even if they smoke half a joint or like a half a gram of cannabis they don't have any effect. They may feel a little sleepy, uh, but they don't really experience a full-fledged high. And um, we still don't know for sure why that is. There is a hypothesis out there that says that maybe the endocannabinoid system needs to be sensitized first, and then you built up more receptors, and then after a while you respond better um, but I've seen it myself in, in many people. Um, my guess is that it's between 30 and 50% maybe of the people who start using cannabis who don't have an effect uh, or don't have a strong pronounced effect um, when using cannabis for the first three, four, five times. Now, this is important because if even if you go uh, low, and uh, if you start low and go slow, you might 
we might have a puff or an inhalation from a vaporizer once. As I recommend, just take it once and then uh, wait for 15 minutes and, and then take another one maybe. And but then nothing happens, and maybe they 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 do that three four times in four consecutive days, and they feel like nothing happens. And then on the fifth day, they double the dose, and then suddenly they're too far out. Now, why why did that happen? Like I said, probably because uh, it took them a while to get adjusted, and maybe their endocannabinoid system needed a while to. Um, to come up with a receptor sensitivity. And suddenly now they have the double dose and it kicks them somewhere in a, in a place where they don't want to be. So this is also something that um, that's in my book where I say, you know, start uh, low and stay low for a while and then um, slowly dose up. Don't use, don't ingest cannabis because it's very hard to, I wouldn't recommend it. I mean, if you're courageous, if you're, it always depends on the kind of personality. If you're the 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 type who says, okay, I want to climb the mountain, and I don't want to know, I don't want to know from people how I, I get up the K2 in snow and storms. <laughs> yeah, do it. But um, if you want to be safe, feel safe, and have a good high, um, you better, um, uh, you know, go slow with the dosing. And you, ingesting is always difficult because I give you just a few um, points. First of all, it depends on the heating of the product of the THC, how much uh, uh, activated THC. You have only THCA in the plant, so it's the THC acid. So that's why you need to heat it up first to make it active THC that gives you the high THCA, doesn't give you a high. Um, so, and if you, if somebody who really does know well how to heat up cannabis and uh, produces a hash pralin or chocolate or something, it really depends on how much fat is in there, how long you have it in the oven, and, and uh, the, the uh, products are very often, or what you produce there is very often not very consistent. Also, it's if you, if you eat chocolate, for instance, and if you if you have it in your mouth only shortly for a few seconds and then you swallow it, it's going to have a different effect because this is um, the first pass effect is going through the liver. And actually, your THC is turned into 11 hydroxy THC, which is even stronger. But it takes a lot longer for the onset, and some of the material uh, is lost, so to say, during that breakdown process. Whereas if you keep the chocolate in your mouth, it goes sublingual and through other membranes directly in your bloodstream, the THC. So that comes on faster. So if you have chocolate in your mouth for a minute or two minutes and then swallow it, you get it from two directions, so to say. And um, so you should know that. Um, and you should know also if you take extracts, it's even more important if you keep an extract in your mouth that like, ends up being really strong. So, um, so, and that can really bring you to, a, a, and get you to a point where you feel nauseous, where you have, like you said, um, uh, strong 
uh, a strong feeling of like a blood pressure drop and you, you may even uh, lose consciousness in, in extreme uh, cases, but it doesn't happen very often, but you, you can panic and you, you really want to avoid such an overdose as a not experienced user. Um, and, and this is very important to me because I experienced it myself. Um, <clears throat> I mean, it was horrific and at some point very funny because I, when I ate that hash brown, and same, like similar to what you or uh, you just told, I used half of it and then nothing, I waited for an hour, nothing happened. It was New Year's Eve, everybody wanted to party. I, I smoked another joint and I was like, okay, I take the other half and was really overdosed. And um, I don't go through the long story. Uh, it's an interesting one. I remember a fan came to me and said, you're, you're green in your face. And I'm like, what? And he's like, he's looking at my face. And he's like, you're actually green. And I'm like, I've never, he's like, I've never seen a guy go in green. I'm like, get out of my face. <laughs> and uh, I, I sat there, I was paralyzed. And at some point I remember that I, um, I tried to find my ear, my ear started itching and I was like, I couldn't, I, I, I was scratching my ear like this. I thought I was reaching out and I, I turned around and, and I was like, okay, I don't, I, I don't find my ear anymore, which is by the way, an interesting effect because cannabis has an effect on your, um, on your body perception, um, on your body perceptual system in the brain. Uh, so you have in your brain a system where you perceive that is responsible for your perception of internal processes, like uh, you know, the feeling of uh, heat or pain in your limbs or where your arms are located, et cetera. And uh, at certain doses, cannabis can really help you to connect with your body more and to feel your body better. And you drink water and you feel like cold water is going down your, um, your throat and you feel more intense how you have a stiffness in your neck. So that can be helpful, but if it goes extreme, if you if you overdose like me, like I did with an aspirin, you suddenly lose your sense of where your body is located. <laughs> Looking for your ear, and uh, so that wasn't funny. And it took me years to come back to using cannabis, and that's why I, I'd like people to avoid this um, when you are um, when you are more experienced. I think it's interesting interesting to take higher doses of cannabis and maybe even sometimes uh, and it's important to remember that even what people call bad trips I think you should better call them difficult trips because very often what is called a bad trip can give you really positive uh, insights also um, <clears throat> uh, people who have those bad trips um, can really come back and maybe sometimes they have those bad trips because for instance, they confront a fear they have or the sub taboo subjects or a subject that they haven't dared to think about death or the, the uh, deadly disease of a friend or et cetera. And that can turn out to be really intensely negative an intensely negative high in a way with negative feelings of sadness and or after a breakup or so, but you can use it also to work through an emotion and to work through a trauma or to work through a, a, a breakup and to, to personally grow with it. So, but I wouldn't recommend that for the first session, probably. Yeah. 
Yes. I had a friend that went through a breakup and took cannabis and she was like, just crying, 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 crying. And I'm like, um, that's not good. You know, (laughs) but maybe she needed to cry. Maybe. Well, it was one of the most profound experiences in my life that crying can actually, I remember I had a phase in my life when I was like around 17, where I had deep depressions and, um, and, uh, at a certain point, uh, not the cannabis high did it for me, but actually music did it for me. I remember listening to Rimsky-Korsakov's Sherazade, um, directed by Shio Saba, a fantastic recording. And I started crying and, and I felt like all the, the pain or, because depression very often feels like a paralysis. You, you feel stuck and you don't, you feel like nothing is moving. And, and the tears, I, I really felt like the tears are washing away my sadness. And from there on, it went, it, it, it went uphill. I mean, it all went better. So, um, so maybe it did work for your friend. You should ask her, follow up question. Yeah, maybe, maybe it did. And Another thing that I wanted our viewers to know is that there are cannabis companies or slogans there. They're saying, oh, this is cannabis is better because you you don't overdose and it won't kill you. But mm. it does. It 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 will. No, it will not kill you directly. Not That's directly, it. but you know, when you're driving high, you know. Yes. Yes, uh, this is of course one of the dangers. Um, driving high or um, uh, with a little footnote uh, or operating machinery that can actually kill you if you're high and if you don't, uh, if you're not able to handle those effects um, during the high. Um, but um, you have to remember that also in the medical realm, uh, some people who suffer from chronic pain or ADHD who take cannabis on a daily basis, um, they develop a tolerance. And um, the interesting thing about that tolerance is that they don't need more cannabis um, every day to um, cure their, or not to cure, but to to deal with their chronic pain. Uh, But after a while, they don't feel high anymore. So they take like, Let's say you, you need a gram a day inhaled to, um, to deal with your chronic backache. Um, if you do that in the first days when you've never used cannabis, you're, you're going to be really high. If you use a gram of cannabis, you're going to be high and you shouldn't go in a car. But after a while, <clears throat> uh, after you develop a tolerance, you will still get the same effect, medical effect from your cannabis, which is a real blessing. Uh, but you will develop a a tolerance and so far as you are not going to get high anymore and you will be better able to drive a car than without cannabis. So so that's important to know. And that's why as when I worked as a communications director uh, here in the pharmaceutical realm in Germany, uh, people from the ministry came to me and said, okay, we, they were really open to the idea. And they said, okay, we need to know how cannabis functions. They came to the really complicated conferences about uh, medical um, and scientific conferences to come to a better understanding of cannabis and the psychological effects uh, to understand under which conditions 
patients could get their license back, driving license back. So yes, it can be deadly um, if you are using it in the wrong way and if you still get too high uh, when you're driving or operating machinery or if you're in dangerous situations, some other dangerous situations, but it can also be helping you to, uh, to deal with that under certain conditions. <clears throat> but I think the, um, um, because you asked me before about the dangers of cannabis also, I think, and that's connected to what I said about um, uh, the evolution of cannabis in the last years also, and how cannabis evolved under certain uh, pressures of growing cannabis indoors, et cetera, and users not having information using for more sedative purposes. I think um, the important point is, um, I call it escapism, is that people who are stressed abuse cannabis um, or, or tend to abuse cannabis or that kind of mental fragmentation. So they don't want to have that kind of clear thinking high, that high that leaves you functional. Uh, but they they want to be in the here and now and they want to forget about everything, watch a movie or you know, eat something and uh, experience the intensity of the food or their, their Snickers bar, which is fine if you do it you know, sometimes if you don't develop a habit of doing it, if you, if you don't use it to escape from a harsh reality. But if you were a teenager, for instance, if you're 16, and that's your method of dealing with um, your problems in life, then you will not, you will kind of destroy your educational career. And uh, I learned, I learned a lot about this um, from, uh, conference where I went actually as a photographer uh, that was in Heidelberg like years ago on, on mobbing and suicide. And that conference, that was interesting because um, they looked at the um, relation of mobbing and suicide uh, in, in uh, uh, school children, school kids. And um, <clears throat> And they had a very interesting, the guy who gave the keynote had a very interesting approach. And he said, if you are a um, psychotherapist and you want to help those kids who often show um, uh, self-inflicting pain behavior, also they, they really cut themselves or do stuff, don't just take that away from them. Um, because then, because, why? Because very often these kids who have been mobbed and who are suicidal, when they feel like, okay, now I want to jump from the balcony because I can't take the pain anymore and I can't, I, I don't know how to deal with that kind of sadness and, and pain. They go and um, um, they, they don't go and, and kill themselves, but they go and cut themselves. Why? Um, because probably unconsciously, what they get is euphoria from that, a certain kind of, and it kind of takes them out of that sadness and out of that paralysis. So, and he said, and that's the important point, it's a coping behavior. And as a therapist, you should congratulate, congratulate um, those kids first on having found a, uh, a coping behavior that saved their lives. But, at the same time, you need to tell them, okay, that coping behavior may have saved your life, 
but it's um, if you keep on doing that, you're going to be even more of an outsider in school. You're going to hurt yourself more. So maybe we have to replace, slowly go and do talk about that and maybe at some point replace that coping behavior with a better approach to dealing with your maybe traumatic issues you had with mobbing, etc. Now, back to cannabis. Some people, and you see that very often, <clears throat> and I, I read a really great article in a German magazine, cannabis magazine on that, uh, from a guy who was in school and his dad was alcoholic. He, he had beat, I mean, he was beaten a lot in his childhood. And also he dropped out because he used cannabis in high school. And um, he said uh, back then the perspective on him was he dropped out because of his cannabis use and all that was bad and he developed a habit. Now the new perspective on that is and the way I would frame it now is that he came up with a great coping behavior for his traumatic experiences with his dad. He used cannabis and we know that cannabis uh, can help veterans and other people with traumatic experiences also because of the endocannabinoid system which is involved in uh, the weakening of aversive memories. Long story, I, I just keep it at that, but we know from the endocannabinoid system that that is in, in, it's involved in that and now <clears throat> so um so now the perspective on him is different he used that behavior and that probably got him kicked out of school because society couldn't really help him further but um but it was uh it was not just a bad behavior and you could you should have taken it from there and maybe you could he could have arrived at you know treating himself better either without cannabis or using cannabis for a better purpose instead of abusing it for getting stuck in that situation. And I think that is also my intent with my book is that some people I feel have found cannabis as something that can help them. And they came up with using cannabis as a coping strategy, coping with stress, et cetera, which, is, which was probably helpful, but I want to, take them further, not away from cannabis, but away from abuse to a better use. And therefore you need some knowledge and some, some abilities. Yes. So when you said that they have to, um, there's a, there's a thin line, right? Because if you're a beginner and, and you love how it feels and, and you're like, I'll do it again tomorrow and then I'll do yeah. it again the next day. And then I'm not working anymore. <laughs> and so I, I have a freelancer who did that. And he said to me, my girlfriend's telling me that she hates it, that I keep on getting high. And then when I'm talking to him, we can't get any work done because he's incoherent, you know? And, and so it, it is, it can be um, addicting. So yes, yes, yeah. yes for the for the for the PTSD i know a veteran that when he takes the 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 cannabis he's not afraid of the fireworks anymore because like with a you know a car backfiring he goes down to the ground because you know and he goes down to the ground um but with with cannabis it relaxes him it doesn't trigger um trauma for yeah. him yeah yeah yeah, that's that's an amazing thing, and um, so 
um, to pick that up, my work, I think, has uh, important implications for um, the whole subject of healing with cannabis and medical cannabis. Um, because, for instance, if you look into if you, if you look at one of the most important effects of cannabis, uh, psychoactive effects of the highest, the hyperfocus of attention, that of course can help people with ADHD. Um, <clears throat> if you look at uh, what I call enhanced empathic understanding that many people have reported, and I've tried to explain um, uh, and, and to, to give come up with a bit of a theory of why that happens while you I, um, <clears throat> that, um, in 2010, um, I, <clears throat> sorry, I hypothesized that this should help autistic uh, uh, children then, or people who are on the autistic spectrum. And I didn't know that at the same time, Lester, who I had uh, been working with at the time, had already advised mothers of autistic children to try cannabis. And their stories are really touching because autistic children's uh, are starting uh, when they're medicated with cannabis. Uh, uh, very often you hear stories about how they start socially interacting better. And it's not only like they feel better or they are less aggressive or they, uh, they let go of their repetitive um, tick behaviors, et cetera, but they start socially interacting in a way that, that was unseen to their parents before. They start uh, looking at them in their eyes, etc. So that that's amazing to see. There is something very profound going on, I, I believe, and this is one that was one of my special fields in, in uh, philosophy. But so so my work, <clears throat> I believe, has important implications for everybody who's interested in the medical realm. Um, but also, my work uh, is trying to uh, come to a better understanding of how cannabis can be used for inspiration as it has been used by many people um, and um, how and under which conditions you can actually use it for and, and for the many um, cognitive enhancements that you see and that have been reported. Uh, most importantly, I think it's, it's uh, interesting to see that uh, the most fundamental and the most complex human abilities seem to be or can be under, under certain con conditions enhanced during a cannabis high, which are creativity, um, introspection, empathic understanding of others, spontaneous insights as, as in you know, ideas, and um, pattern recognition. And um, so uh, these are things that, that actually started, my, my work started on the curiosity on how cannabis could enhance your ability to come up with great insights because it's such a elusive phenomenon. Uh, but <clears throat> so I'm trying to go way beyond and I'm interested in uh, much more than just the healing aspects of cannabis, the medical aspects of cannabis, and also way beyond what is called the recreational aspects, because I always say recreational is to me a misnomer for the whole use category. I, I prefer either inspirational or re-creational. So because you recreate yourself, you don't need to think about that when you say recreational, you just think about having fun or something. 
But when you think about, when you take that word apart, recreating, this is very much like what many people are doing. They recreate their uh, relationships or they recreate themselves. They have spontaneous introspective insights. They have insights about other people, about their friends, about their partner, about their kids. Uh, by the way, um, Lester Greenspoon's um, uh, website, marijuana-uses.com is a really important uh, source for that. Amazing stories on it. I have to take a short break. My, my family's coming back and I have to close the door. Sure, sure. I can cut that. Yeah, I can edit it out. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, no worries. No problem. Hi, family. They're coming back from, from a kid's carnival. So. Oh, hello. And, uh, uh, but so that's why I finished the phrase. I just wanted to make that point. Um, where was I? I lost so, my friend. <laughs> I'm not even high. <laughs> We're talking about recreate. Recreation. Yeah. So um, I think it's very important for people who understand that cannabis can give them a whole, as I call it, a whole bouquet of cognitive effects. Um, because very often people even proponents or, or adversaries of, of cannabis use, they think of the cannabis high as something very one or two dimensional, like makes you happy and a bit sedated, like dazed and confused, you know, and it's that happy state of being in dazed and confused. And maybe some people um, sporadically talk about, yeah, and then the time perception is going wacko, etc. So if you talk about it more, things come up as you talk to people. But if you really go through the whole list, I mean, the hyper-focus of attention, the intensification of sensory um, experiences when you're taking a warm bath and you, you have that intense feeling of something, the feeling of awe when you, when you kiss your girlfriend again and you feel like wow this is like a kiss for the first time or uh, the what i call the meaningful redirection of attention where you attend to bodily signals of others or you attend to different patterns or you attend to your own body while you're sitting in front of your computer and suddenly you go like oh my god i suddenly feel the stiffness i had in my neck for three days very intensely and why am I paralyzing myself to sit in front of a computer like that? You know, I should take a break now. Um, you have a greater acuity in perception. Suddenly, it's not only more intense, but you, um, <clears throat> you see more details in whatever you perceive, hear, listen to, or taste or feel. Um, you have an, an enhanced episodic memory retrieval, which is that very often you remember episodes in your life in way more detail than you would if you wouldn't be high. So during a high, suddenly you, you think, or maybe um, experiences come up that you've never thought of before. You're like, oh, suddenly I remember my 10th birthday and how proud I felt to first to, to get that quid cake from my mom, which was for older kids, et cetera. Um, you have um, intensified, you can have a, an intensified imagination. Um, uh, sometimes mind racing, which can be negative for some, uh, under some conditions you feel like, whoops, I'm, 
losing the train of thought because it's speeding up. I just can't follow. Sometimes though, it's it's really taking you to places where you couldn't go because you're going so fast through your uh, associated stream of thoughts about um, your childhood and you, a lot of memories associations cannot come up and you come up with an, with, with a great idea or something. Uh, you have this distortion of time perception, most often described as a slowdown of time perception, which can be bad. For instance, when you're driving a car, you know, it, it can be really bad because you're like, whoops, am I, did I drive here for a minute or for 10 seconds? And whoops, there's a stoplight. I, you know, you get disoriented in time. But it can, of course, be um, during an orgasm or during a kiss or during when you're in the, in the summer and you're jumping in a, in the fresh water in a lake, the time perception, you feel like you're feeling the pleasure in eternity. I mean, forever. It's, it's expanded. Your moment is just woo. And um, so um, the distortion or the uh, slowdown of time perception can be used magnificently uh, to enhance your life. Uh, the enhanced pattern recognition, we don't even have to talk about it. I mean, enhanced pattern recognition is everything. You Patterns are everywhere. Uh, that can help you, for instance, also to uh, what I talked about before, the enhanced um, uh, empathic understanding. Um, for instance, you see somebody or your friend walking over the street in a certain walking style, and you're like, he's sad, isn't he? He just said he's okay, but he's... The way he walks away is showing that he's there's something wrong with him. Pattern recognition. Um, you're, many people have reported an enhanced ability of language understanding uh, in, uh, of a foreign language. I've experienced I've experienced all that myself, but I'm not sure if you have experienced that. That sometimes when you're high, you're uh, and you're talking a foreign language, you're like, oh, suddenly I'm I'm more in that language. You know, I I feel like I understand now. And there's on, Le on Lester's website, marijuana-uses.com, uh, there's a very touching report of somebody who was illiterate, who couldn't read, and then he started to read, and then, uh, but he he read the words, and it took him a while to really put things together. That's from way back from I think the 70s. He's so living on the street, and he then he got high, and then he read, uh, I think it was Lady Chatterley or something, and he felt like suddenly everything comes to life and he he feels like he understands the whole sentence and he has imagery going with it and, and all that. So then you have uh, uh, enhanced um, body perception as I uh, talked about before. Uh, mood modulation is interesting because it uh, can act as an antidepressant, can act as an anxiolytic so that you're losing your inhibitions course, at a higher dosage, that might go into panic, you know. Um, but that's, um, we, we look at that also very often only medically. But if you look at it uh, from also a point of a cognitive sciences or from, uh, from an inspirational perspective, um, it's important the mood um, alteration and mood modulation of cannabis is really interesting because uh, uh, if, for instance, you have an anxiolytic effect and you see patterns better, you might really go into thinking about something, as I said before, about death or something, or about uh, a disease or problems in a different way, because you were not afraid to approach it anymore. You're not afraid to think about it anymore. You see different patterns in, in something. 
So this opens up a new space for you intellectually too, and a new uh, it it opens uh, a new possibility for you to personally grow, to really personally grow, thinking about different uh, difficult issues. Um, then of course you have. <clears throat> An enhanced introspection, enhanced creativity, enhanced sexual experience uh, in various ways. And I think also here, people don't see what I call the multidimensionality of the high. And that's what I also shortly describe in my book, because people, when they think about cannabis and sex, um, of course, there are also problems. Some people feel like they're too introspective and they can't really relate to the other, but but if it goes well, and if you know what you're doing, and if your partner is into it, very often cannabis can help you in many ways, and not only the intensification of experience uh, that I mentioned, or the slowdown of time perception that many people know, but it's also, as I said before, the uh, enhanced empathic understanding. Suddenly, maybe during a uh, sexual encounter, you understand, oh, maybe... My wife doesn't like what I'm doing right now, what I've been doing for 10 years, you know, and you're like, hey, maybe we should talk about this. And you have that insight, you know, yeah, or you have a better perception of what you just, or you, you become creative and you do something where you feel like, oh, yeah, she, I like that, or she likes that, or this is going in a different way, because I mean, sex is very um dependent also on creativity and newness and um and on, on you uh, dancing a dance together that goes that is developed to some degree um and then spontaneous insights as i said before uh, of course is a really interesting phenomenon to look at so i just wanted to give you a run through of, of the whole spectrum or or part of the spectrum there's probably even more that you can encounter if things go well, if you know how to, as I say, surf the high, if you know how to really ride a high well. And um, people tend to underestimate the, the full potential and the, um, the multidimensionality of the high there a lot. So for, for the beginners out there, you start low, you go, you go slow, wait for 15 minutes, and, and before you do anything else, you have to have a friend with you to help you just in case you get paranoid, you get anxious, you have somebody there. We wouldn't want your first experience to be bad and then there's no one there to, to help you out. And once you're, you're getting good with it and you know to ride the high, surf the high, what I've experienced is music is so clear and yes. distinct yeah. to me. And when you're talking about pain, I felt pain here in my neck, like really like pain. I'm like, ah, oh, what's up with that? You know? Pain is a, a really interesting subject because also I learned that um, in the medical realm, chronic pain, um, has a complete functions completely different than acute pain. So cannabis can help with chronic pain well uh, for some. With acute pain, it can help, but it can also intensify the pain under certain conditions. And I, I think it's really, um, I, I talked about the hyper-focus effect of attention where you really focus on, on an experience and that can happen that you focus on a certain type of pain in your body 
So, uh, but sometimes uh, even acute pain goes away or is better or you relax better. But, but this is, um, you really need to find your, your variety um, to see because some varieties are better in that and some are not. So what I said about the sativa indica distinction before and about the marketing claims tricking you, I don't wanna throw out uh, the baby with the baby water. There are a lot of great varieties of cannabis out there and there's a whole world to discover not only by choosing your variety, but also, for instance, by choosing the temperature in your vaporizer by which you heat it up. Because um, if you look at the whole profile of a cannabis plant, if you, uh, there's THC, CBD, other cannabinoids, uh, and then uh, limonene and other um, and 200 other terpenes in there, the aromatic compounds, which also have an effect on your mind, and then flavonoids, but they all have different boiling points. So if you if you turn your vaporizer to very hot, you're gonna extract from the same variety a different chemical profile than what you extract if you have it at a lower, lower point. So some people in the medical realm, for instance, some people, they use a vaporizer at a lower temperature to where they are more functional during the day and then they use what they call the vapor and smoke it in the evening to, to uh, finally to, um, to be more uh, sleep inducing. Um, so, um, so there is a whole world out there to explore. And um, I'm trying to, be, because things are complicated. It's not like I can go to a company and they tell me, use that variety, great for creativity or use that variety and then great for this or that and that dose and then you're there. It's not going to work also because we all react individually to varieties you know for for some of us a stimulant may be more calming for some of us not and uh, so uh, some of us are more on the ADHD side some of us, some of us are on the other side uh, of more being OCD obsessive compulsive and they need different they, they have different needs and what they want to modulate and so um, you I encourage both beginners and experts to, and I want to empower them and give them really little heuristics, little methods of improving their high, not just by trusting companies or trusting their doctors, but by developing um, their mindfulness about cannabis and about the, the effects, to observe the effects on themselves. One of the really easy things to do is to take a notebook and to, to get into the habit of um, uh, insights, for instance, write down if you have a great idea. Because Charles Baudelaire, um, who was one of the members of the Hashish Club in 1840, uh, Les Fleurs du Mal, Charles Baudelaire, the famous poet, he was a cannabis user. They use it there um, for inspiration. They wanted to find out about cannabis. They used copious amounts of cannabis ingested, actually. And they got a lot of bad trips too. But he said something really interesting. He said, um, cannabis can, can give you with one hand what it takes with the other. And, and this is something that I, I think is very true because for instance, if you sit down and let's say you're a painter, you wanna generate a really great idea for, for an image you wanna paint. Um, and you actually get that image. You, you, you ingest cannabis, you come up with an almost visual trip and you see a great image. 
and you're like, okay, I'm going to paint that. But then you're, you may be too, you, you feel like during that strong high, your hand-eye coordination doesn't work here. You've, you have too, too rapid flow of ideas. You feel like, okay, I'll, I'll do that tomorrow. But you don't write it down. You don't note it. You fall asleep. Maybe you forget about it the next day. It's gone. So cannabis has given you with one hand what it's taken you with the other because it's maybe it was too sedative at the time. But this is not necessarily the case if you come up with a few things you can do to actually give cannabis the slap on the other hand and not let it take away from you. So you, you just take a short note and you're like, I, oh, I just had that image with that uh, face melting with chocolate on blah, blah, blah. It's just a sentence. And the next day, if you read that, the memory will come back. So um, there are a few things you can do to, um, to be mindful about your high and to really benefit a lot more from your high. And, and one thing is, and this is something that I um, emphasize in my book, is to change your attitude. It's, it, you really need to change your attitude. I mean, some people still have uh, uh, shame issues, of course, if you're like, oh, I should do this, but da, da, da. And, and I don't think you should be proud of being a consumer. I think you should be, but you, sh you shouldn't be ashamed and you should be proud of using cannabis in a way or, or on, on what comes out of it if something valuable comes out of it. You know, if you're using it for um, improving on your relationship or having great insights about your friends or uh, political insights or insights for your, uh, if you're a scientist working on a certain field, yeah, you can be proud of that, and you should use cannabis um, uh, the best you can to to get the best out of it. And but there, but for that, you first have to change your attitude and consider the highest something that might bring you a lot of valuable insights for your life. And um, and I believe that cannabis has done that not only individual for individually for a lot of people, but also on the level of society uh, for a lot of people, not only during the hippie times and not only we always think of Woodstock, but it already happened, um, uh, for instance, in the early uh, phase of uh, jazz. I mean, in the early evolution of jazz, it played a big role where people like Louis Armstrong used it. He said his uh, <clears throat> biography, autobiography could well be called uh, gun, um, what was it? the codename was uh, um, Gage, Gage, they said. Um, that was the codename for cannabis at that time. So, so I also tried to explore that in my book, um, 2015 book, What Hashish Did to Walter Benjamin, the German philosopher Walter Benjamin, to see how philosophers, uh, scientists like Carl Sagan or others, uh, painters, uh, poets, writers, uh, Jack Kerouac, uh, um, Jack London, others use it um, to uh, enhance their thinking and to enhance their work, actually, and to, to come up with great ideas that then shaped uh, society as a whole and the culture as a whole. So I think if we need to come, we need to, and that's going to take a while uh, for people to uh, reconsider uh, cannabis um, and its potential and to reconsider their use and to start to change their use and their attitude about it. After reading your book, I 
I use some of the guides that was in your book. And so with listening to music, you say that you try to listen to one instrument, you know, because I used to listen to the music as a whole and it's amplified. Yeah. The whole thing is yeah. amplified. And then when you said, try to listen for each instrument, that's what that I tried it out. It's so cool. Yeah. Did it work for you? That's <laughs> it great. Did, it did. It, yeah. it really did. But one of the things in my experience um, that, you know, regularly using it, it actually opened my mind. And for some, some time there, there was depression. It took me out of the funk because it opened my mind and and it just helped me let go let go yeah. of all the feelings let go of and and what i realized i'm not high by the way but what i realized <laughs> you know because i'm talking these kind of things you know like profound things but what i realized is that i i, I actually have a very good life and it's not working against me the light there the whole thing is not working against me it's actually working for me so i let all that that tiny shit go yeah and it was yay this is how <laughs> i am now yeah. <laughs> it, it, yeah and those this is why i was also interested in insights because um uh insights uh are not only an interesting phenomenon because nobody can usually say how they happen and why they happen. You know, you, you stand under the shower and you're like, oh, I finally feel like, you know, I shouldn't do this or that anymore. Or, um, <clears throat> but um, the, the research on insight started in Germany and the Gestalt School with uh, Max Wertheimer in the around 1910 or so. Um, so, uh, but insights are, I'm not going into that now, um, I have a new book coming up, by the way, which I still wanted to mention, which is Elevated, uh, Cannabis as a uh, Mind-Enhancing Tool, uh, which will soon be published by Hilaritas Press. I wanted to mention that because it, it gives a lot of the theoretical background to the art of the high, because the art of the high is meant to be a, a tool for people to employ very hands-on to get the best out of their, out of their cannabis high. And, um, but the uh, the new book elevated is is giving a lot more of the the background um, with essays on uh, insights uh, addiction also and a political essay. <clears throat> but insights um, come back to that are are interesting in so far as they really can be life changing. Um, for a lot of people, they felt um, that during a high, uh, they they had insights that were. Um, that changed their lives, that really they had insights on their relationships with their wives, on things they had uh, done wrong, on things they should let have they should let go. And therefore, by the way, cannabis is also very interesting as an addiction breaker, as a tool to get away from addiction. We know from the medical realm that it can help with alcohol and other addictions um, because you can see patterns I, at <clears throat> some point, I, um, I described that in a, in a book or an essay, uh, what cannabis can do to you with an experience of mine with, I think, 
one of my first real highs was in Kenya when I was there as a tourist uh, in the mid nineties. And I, I, I tried twice or three times, nothing happened like the effect I talked about before. And then I, I tried, I smoked a whole, I remember I went to a guy who worked at the hotel and he said, a Kenyan, and I said, I tried Kenyan grass and it doesn't seem to work for me. Maybe it's not strong. And he was one of the proud Kenyans, uh, uh, stoners, I guess. He was like, what? Kenyan grass is not strong enough for you. You come with me. <laughs> and he took me in the back and um, of the reception and we smoked and I, I got blazing high. I, I was really, I was, and I had to, to pack my stuff and take a transit to the airport. I, at some point I, I laughed my way to the airport, but then I got a bit paranoid at the airport, et cetera. Long story, but I went up in the air and I remember that feeling of oh, being high, sitting in an airplane, being able to sit on a machine that's been built with like a million parts put together by experts that take me just, and usually I would just sit there in that, in the plane I had been flying before. And you know how it is, you sit on a plane, you're like, yeah, you know, that's what you do. And, and then I had this feeling of awe, which can be incredibly important in itself to reconsider things and to reconnect with life, with the wonder of life, with the uh, and and with the magic of life. And I I looked down and I saw all those structures and the roads and the lights and the patterns of shapes. And I uh, um, I I thought this is basically also what the high later when I thought about this episode, I thought this is what the high can give to me and to other people is like, it's almost like you're you're feeling elevated, lifted a perspective where you look down on your life and you suddenly you see it from the outside and you see patterns that you're usually not aware of of how you do things of how you do things with your partner how you do things of how you are defensive or how you are aggressive or how things uh evolve and then you you come up with great insights and you from that insight your life has changed you 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 go a different way and I think these gems can get lost, taken away by Odelier's hand. <laughs> uh, so you have to slap that hand. And, um, and so it's, it's important to sometimes take notes, but, but they happen. And I described in my books and in my new books, I, uh, I'm coming up with a bit more of a hypothesis, more of explanations why we actually can have and why cannabis actually can enhance our ability to come up with insights, uh, which is a combination basically to put it shortly, which is uh, working together of a lot of effects that I have just um, told you like hyperfocus of attention, et cetera, et cetera. And they come together in a way that um, helps us to come up with insights. I wanted to share this to you because I, I found this very fascinating. Back when I was in college, my, my dad um, was, a, was the painter um he was you know he did it for a hobby but he also um put up uh the first art academy in my city with his friends and with that was this harvard professor who wanted to mentor me in the arts and so and i also had a friend in college who started giving me cannabis and so i combined that and you would never believe this but it, this is this is true 
I started getting colored dreams because my dreams was black and white. Yeah. I started getting colored dreams. Interesting. You know, in color. Right? Dreaming in color. It's fascinating. I had a, um, when, when I published my essays um, online in five languages for censuses, I had many interesting people coming back to me. Uh, one of them was um, a stu Harvard student also. She, was, she is uh, congenitally blind. And she said that she took cannabis and she had the first color experience with cannabis. And, and she was wondering if it, if it came from a certain, because it's a, I've heard, it's a long time ago, I, I talked to her, um, but the problem is I think something in the, in the a transmission of retinal signals to the nerve, et cetera, also. And she wasn't sure if cannabis, uh, because I think that the endocannabinoid system is active in the eyes and in the, um, somewhere in the cells there that are responsible for, uh, for this. If, if, if this would happen there in the eye or if, if something in the brain happened that, that enabled it. And so we had an interesting discussion about that. But, um, but this sounds uh, very plausible to me. What they say about color dreams is really interesting. Um, <clears throat> I had another guy and, and I've, I always found this really fascinating. Um, who contacted me, a Saudi Arabian, I think, a student 20 years old from NYU, when I wrote an essay about cannabis or published an essay about cannabis and empathic understanding, uh, where I argued that cannabis can actually really help you to have empathic insights, to understand others, to simulate others better, to see their perspective better. And, um, and he contacted me uh, with a story uh, saying that he was trauma, he never told me exactly what the trauma was, but he said he was traumatized in his uh, early or in his childhood. And then he felt afterwards, until he was 16, he always felt disconnected and he always felt like the world, and that's, that was his exact phrase, the world is an extension of myself. So he, he felt like and in, in, in philosophy, you would call this position solipsism, um, like the position that only you exist and everything else is an illusion or you know a projection of yourself. Um, and, uh, and he felt that. He said that until he was 16, um, he felt like there's nobody else out there. It's only him. And he was with a girlfriend, but he felt like he's, he's an extension of himself. And... Um, I, uh, and he asked me, and he's, because he said when he, um, when he used cannabis, when he smoked a joint for the first time, he suddenly felt like there are other people. He felt like I can now see the perspective. I can now empathize with other people. I feel like they're there. Uh, and he said, uh, after he smoked that joint, uh, a few days afterwards, that feeling would slowly go away. But he would still have the memory of it. He, he remembered that he had that feeling, but the basic feeling of being connected to others was gone again. And, and I find this really fascinating. The stories coming back from people, because also um, uh, I work with somebody who uh, has Asperger's, and he said he couldn't work without, he couldn't have, be in a relationship with his girlfriend without cannabis, because cannabis also gives him that 
um, empathic understanding and helps them to empathically relate to people better. And so there is such a huge potential <clears throat> in that field and it's still, I think the problem is that it's really the center of the taboo because I've seen that many people um, came back to me, activists, people from the medical realm and they're all like, please shut up. <laughs> No, seriously, I mean, they don't say it like that, but they're, they feel like it, I know that, because first of all, it's, it's hard to prove. Uh, I mean, I've come up, I've came up with my own method of trying to extract information from a lot of studies, from the endocannabinoid system, from anecdotal research, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but it's, a, it's difficult for many people because they wanted to um, improve the lives of patients and then they, they didn't want, to, want this to go over board and somebody to come out and saying, hey, you can um, enhance your sex life with it, you know, because people felt like, okay, that, it's not time to talk about that like, like that, you know. So in the beginning, the strategy of activists um, in the States and in Germany was more like medically. And then some people started to talk about the financial thing and talking about how much it could generate and how much the prohibition costs and how much it's damaging to society, et cetera, et cetera. But it's still, I mean, even now, even in a liberal country here that is about and announced that it would legalize soon, it's hard to talk about those issues. And, and it's even in the community, it's like uh, difficult. I believe it. It's the same here in the US where yeah. there's still the stigma. And, you know, 20 years ago, you, cannabis users were perceived to be stoners because it was a drug and you're, you're lazy. We shouldn't hire people using cannabis because they're lazy. They get couch locked a lot. And then, and then now there's still that stigma. Like we shouldn't hire <laughs> cannabis users because they're just going to be, you know, smoking all day and not doing doing work so there's also the stigma here in the u.s right. but you know we need the education and that's why we're doing yeah. also this podcast um, yeah. to do that yeah yeah so and it's it, a, a, a last point you can edit that out if you want <laughs> an academic uh, but i think an important point is that cannabis if you talk about cognitive enhancement or mind enhancing substances it, it, cannabis uh as as is LSD or other substances, um, uh, psychedelic substances, for instance, um, is certainly not a prototypical mind enhancer. Because usually when we talk about mind enhancement or nootropics or cognitive enhancers, we think of substances like amphetamines that keep us awake, rational, and uh, functional for a long time. Focused, awake, functional. And uh, cannabis is a bit different because um, it enhances um, different functions in the brain. And it also, it always comes with a downside. I mean, it's always, um, and it, it, there is no total enhancement of cognition. No, no substance gives that to you. I read an interesting report, short report of a German guy who also a philosopher who studied philosophy and who took, I think, Ritalin uh, for his, um, uh, Ritalin to, to go into his exams and, and it worked for him because he could concentrate well, but it, um, hold on a second, I need to turn up the phone for now my life. 
And it, it, um, it worked for him well, so he could concentrate on it. But later he asked his friends and they said, during those two weeks, you were really an asshole because you didn't attend anymore to emotional signals. You, you acted like an asshole. So he was really focused on his work and gobbling up information, processing information, but he wasn't attending to empathic signals anymore. So, um, and, and cannabis um, can enhance various uh, really important, like creativity, really important abilities under certain conditions, but very often you have a downside. And, <clears throat> and the downside, for, I always tell the story, which is one of the funniest stories ever, because I always ask people also, what's the silliest thing you've done while you were high? Because of course I'm talking about cognitive enhancement, but the other side is that we do silly things while we are high sometimes. And there, the, I have this Indonesian acquaintance and uh, he said, well, he went under the shower and he was blazing, he was totally high. And he, uh, <clears throat> he went under the shower and wanted to use the shampoo and took the bottle and poured it over his head. And he, he felt like he, he was like, for minutes, he felt like this is motor oil. This is sticking to my hair, sticking to my body. I can't, it doesn't foam. I can't wash it off. I, <laughs> and he couldn't, he didn't understand what was happening. So he was looking at the bottle again and it was shampoo. And then he, he looked up and he realized that he had forgotten to turn the water on. <laughs> so, so now, of course, uh, we all think, holy cow, you know, this guy is really retarded. <laughs> uh, and and he's, he's not malfunctional. <laughs> seriously non-functional to, to interact with this environment and to do whatever, even the simplest things. But I believe that he was probably so focused on an internal stream of thought. So maybe he was going through memories, maybe he was going through thinking about the party the next day or whatever, that he was like what we would call an absent-minded professor. Uh, like the, the philosophy or math professor who walks over campus and he's like, uh, like a story about a famous uh, math professor, uh, Norbert Wiener, who invented cybernetics, who walked over campus and then was at, then met a student. He asked him, um, can you tell me, I talked to him and, and then he was like, can you tell me where I came from before we talk? And the student said, yeah, you came from there. And Wiener was, oh, then I had my lunch because he was so you know, in his theories that he forgot about the most simple things and orientation of life. And I met philosophers like, um, <clears throat> uh, were like world famous philosophers, David Lewis, who were just like that, who's just like so focused that they would just screen out everything else. So this is, this is something to think about. There are funny things happen and you do dumb things while you're high sometimes, but this doesn't uh, contradict uh, as in the, absent-minded professor, this doesn't contradict the fact that cannabis at the same time may enhance some mental abilities you have and an internal stream of thought and accelerate an internal stream of thought and keeps you focused on something. Uh, so um, that's the funny part of my research. <laughs> I have a lot of stories like that. But <laughs> Well, you can do dumb things with cannabis, but you could also do brilliant things with oh, yeah, <clears throat> And the art of the high your guide 
is amazing. And it's it's for beginners, it's for connoisseurs, it's for people who are curious and wanting to start on um, cannabis. But it's it's a book that you can use as a reference, like beginner. And when you become an expert, you go back and read the book again. And like, what did Sebastian say about <laughs> painting yeah. or or music or just you know? So so I love the book. I highly recommend it. Where can they get that book? In a lot of e-stores. Um, just Amazon. Look, yeah, online uh, uh, as an ebook and also. It's available in German and in English and as a paperback um, in, in English, I think only as a paperback in German also as a hardback and a uh, uh, hardcover. Um, so uh, yeah, you'll find it online somewhere in any store next to you. <laughs> um, or, or just visit my website um, and um, you'll, you'll find uh, links uh, for, for all my books, uh, Sebastian, marincolo.de uh, or uh, go to my uh, blog mar uh, marijuana-insights.com uh, where I have an, a, a blog also uh, with essays that are up. If you don't want to buy the book, maybe you want to read some essays for free online. And um, <clears throat> uh, so thanks. Uh, great to hear. I, I, um, I'm really happy that you like the book so much. So it seems like it worked. <laughs> Yes. And, and so for the audience to get to know you better, do you have a favorite strain or a favorite way to get high? Or how do you, how do you, how do you do, how do you ride your high? There, that's a good question there. Um, yeah, that's a good question. I, um, I love to vaporize now. Um, I'm, I, I use, uh, I'm very um, cautious to use product names also, because I'm going in and out of uh, jobs here in the medical cannabis industry where cannabis is um, treated as a narcotic. So uh, while I was working for the, uh, between 2016 and 2019 or longer, no, uh, sorry, 2021, I had to basically shut up um, or keep it really low because I would have, uh, had problems with uh, getting my message out working in the medical cannabis industry because in Germany <clears throat> you can only um, if you are working for a pharmaceutical company that distributes uh, sells cannabis to um, to doctors or to pharmacies uh, you cannot talk to the to the public about varieties etc you, you're not allowed to do that so it's a, it's a difficult uh, situation with advertising here or another example, I my photo series. I sold photos to um, uh, in Amsterdam uh, to Sensi Seeds, the biggest uh, cannabis seed bank in the world. But they can't hang the photos close to windows because then people could see them from outside and kids could see them. So it's always difficult with advertising laws here for me. Um, so vapor, a vaporizer uh, for me, a precision vaporizer for me, I think is a great tool to explore and self-experiment because you really can use, um, and that's what I describe in the book to uh, a certain variety of cannabis uh, with different um, 
uh, a temperature. So you extract a different mix and you can see how it acts on you and what works better for you. So even if you only have access to one variety, you, you can only you can already start experimenting. Uh, what I love about it is that <clears throat> I feel it's a more functional high than when you burn cannabis uh, in a joint or something. I don't have, I don't like the nicotine kick. I think the nicotine, that's like a, I, I compare it often to a cocktail during the prohibition and the alcohol cocktail during the prohibition was mixed and the cocktail became famous and popular because uh, the alcohol was really bad. So you had to mix it with something sweet to be tolerable. And I think a lot of people use nicotine because they have degraded or some bad cannabis material and they need nicotine to give them a kick to be, you know, to stay awake or something. Um, with a vaporizer, I feel, and I did some research, I wrote an essay on it, and I, I think I have some reasons to believe that um, you have a more functional high. The, the thing is for beginners also, they need to know it doesn't, the effects don't come as fast as the effects come with a joint. If you smoke a joint uh, uh, and that goes around and the circle comes back to you after a minute or so, you already know the effect. You know, you're like, okay, maybe I sit out here or maybe I, you know, take one more or two more puffs. With a vaporizer, it takes longer, the onset for the effect. So many people who started for the first time, they don't have that feeling in their lungs of that, you know, strong smoke feeling and they feel like, hmm. But what I love about it is also you have a completely different taste experience. You, you feel that you taste the nuances of, our, our cannabis much better. So I think cannabis is totally underrated as to its taste also because some cannabis varieties can bring you a, a great taste experience and your high develops along the lines of the complexity of the taste like in a great scotch or a great wine. And um, so, so I like the vaporizer, it needs uh, you, you need to get used to it a little bit. As I said, the, the high comes on differently and leaves you more functional. So many people in the beginning feel like, oh, I'm not really, am I that high? And then it takes a, lo a, a bit longer. And varieties, <clears throat> um, uh, yeah, I, I have a favorite one. And uh, I, I think I, I'm, I'm gonna say it's it's Dr. Greenspoon. Um, uh, and uh, Lester asked me, um, I started working with Lester in 2009, I think. I contacted him because of my first book and Lester of course was uh, the expert to talk to. And I was totally surprised after half an hour on the phone that he was like, he wanted me to co-edit a book with him. And um, which, we worked on it for a year and it never got published sadly because um, <clears throat> because uh, we couldn't get the permission of the authors who had uh, published this on his website in the end, long story. Uh, but um, he asked me at a certain point, he was like, Sebastian, can you try that uh, Dr. Greenspoon that they sell in Amsterdam because they named it after me and I never had it. <laughs> and uh, and I did and it's it was amazing. It's just, um, it was amazing also because I felt <clears throat> that very often when you uh, smoke or inhale or, or consume cannabis, it gives you that hyper focus of attention, which can be more as in a tunnel of attention. So you, you 
don't really perceive anything else beyond that tunnel. But I felt like um, Dr. Greenspoon uh, gave me, it was a, a, a really clear experience, a very functional high. And the attention was as in after a meditation where you feel like you're focused, but you're very, you're, you're focused very broad. You feel like everything, I'm aware of everything happening around me, but I'm very focused and very clear in my thinking. A very open, focused thinking, amazing, and a very, uh, and a beautiful um, mood modulating, euphoric, warm feeling. So there are, there are so many nuances in uh, the highs of varieties to explore. Um, and I feel it's much easy, easier uh, to explore them with a vaporizer than with other um, uh, methods. Um, I mean, I, I like also ingesting cannabis sometimes, but I haven't done it in, in a long time because it's always hard. You need your time, you need to know how you dose it, you need to have access. Um, but <clears throat> but I think vaporizing is is uh, my preferred method, of, and I, I recommend that highly to many people. Um, I, I think many people have tried in the beginning, and they're like, oh, I don't feel the smoke, or and, and or are they over?